Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be I Married the Woman from Hell. I've got a special guest today, Mr. Anthony Dream Johnson, also known as the president of the Manosphere. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thanks, Thanks for coming by. Yeah, man. So you probably heard me say this before, is that no matter how bad you think you got it in life, there's always somebody that's got it worse. If you remember the video I did just in the past week, it was a guy that had been dating this girl for, I think they were together about three years. And he found out after he'd had a kid with her, had kind of mingled their family, you know, she had a child from a previous relationship, he had two kids from another relationship. So they kind of merged their families together, if you will. And then basically he found out that she was a sugar baby and been selling nude pictures of herself since she was 17 she's now 25 and i guess had several men that were giving her money some of them she was sleeping with and obviously as you can imagine the dude was pretty devastated and he's been following my work for quite a few years and so i kind of went through in the video and critiqued some of the things where along the way there were red flags and he just kind of because he really liked her and she was hot he sent pictures beautiful girl and you know the first time the average guy dates what he considers a unicorn or a smoke show he thinks i yep. fucking hit the lottery yep. and it's like we make all our decisions based <clears throat> on our emotions and we use logic and reason to justify our purchase mm -hmm. and he just kind of because again she was hot best looking thing he'd ever been with he he gave her a lot of credit that she hadn't earned so with that said, Mr. President here has got a um, – you thought that story was crazy. <laughs> wait, till, yeah. wait till you hear what he's he's got to say. So, okay. so like you said. mentioned, uh, there's always someone out there who's had it worse. Uh, what's interesting about my story is that you know I had this um, a leadership position in the Manosphere for a long time before I met my ex-wife and obviously since then now you know the presidency and stuff. So the fact that this happened to me – uh, if just looking at an in in observational basis, that was kind of fascinating in itself, that this would happen to someone like me in the middle of a lot of speakers like you, uh, similar to you anyway, that have a lot of good messages from men that are legitimately controversial and strong and positive. So at a base level, for this to happen to someone like me was you know, a big surprise to a lot of people. A lot of fans, were, when I gave the speech, a lot of fans were initially confused because they, weren't even, they didn't even know she wasn't at the conference. They thought she was interviewing somebody or something like that because that's what she used to do for us for a couple of years. So just as a Manosphere community kind of thing, it was fascinating for it to happen. Yeah, you're supposed to be immune. This yeah. is supposed to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was surrounded by guys who are legitimately, a lot of these speakers are not just coaches and you know things like that, and other you know speakers too, doctors and you know uh, FBI agents, Navy SEALs, a lot of cool people. Um, but a lot of these guys are also just absolute slayers of the women. A lot of these speakers have notch counts that are like two, three, four hundred and stuff like that. So they have, whether you approve of that or not morally, you, these guys have real experience with women that is like not normal. You know, the average guy in America has a notch count of like seven or something like that over a lifetime, according to the CDC. Anyway, to kind of get, get back to the uh, experience itself and the story of marrying the woman from hell, I gave a speech on this, this experience and it's gone viral. It's got about 400,000 views going in on half a million soon. And it's called Marrying Medusa, How to Survive a Female Psychopath. So the title alone is super you know, triggering, and the story is interesting, and there's a good hook at the beginning. And your fans can actually go watch this on YouTube. They can go type Marrying Medusa, and it should pull right up. 
And I think one of the reasons, too, that it went viral isn't just that, you know, I was this figure running a conference and had a YouTube channel and all that that dealt with a lot of these issues, dating and relationships and masculinity and all these things. It's also, like, I think it's probably the most intense, like you mentioned, uh, presentation on this experience ever happening to a man that was then presented in public. So without being a celebrity or something like that, I'm not like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, that kind of, you know, shit show going on right now. But I was a young man that a lot of people could relate to. And this story, you know, I gave the facts on what happened as best I could for two hours in a, like a formal, you know, TED Talk style presentation. And it was pretty bad. I mean, the stuff we'll get into, it was, it was fucking, you know, bizarre and gross and horrifying, uh, even for a lot of guys who had been through something similar. Like when I got off the stage, we had about, you know, how many dozens of guys at the conference, like 60 or something like that that year. It was the young men's uh, convention we did, the under-21 convention. But a lot of the guys were immediately, some of them were almost in tears just hearing this stuff on like an empathy level, like, holy fucking shit, dude. Um, other guys could also relate to me. They actually would say that, you know, my experience wasn't quite as bad, but I could relate to you on like that point and that point and that experience and all that. So yeah, it was basically, it was a nightmare. Um, that's, it's more complex than that, though, because like a lot of it was a good time. I mean, this chick was, you know, super hot, had a really good time, the sex was crazy. So let me back up here for a second. You know, marrying Medusa had her survive a female psychopath. Uh, I went in a span of 10 days, almost four years ago exactly. It'll be February 21st was the day that I cut things off, so a couple days from now. Um, I went from thinking that my wife was monogamous and loyal. We've been married for two years and had dated for two and a half before that. I thought she was monogamous and loyal. I found out she was cheating uh, with one guy. I found this through pictures. Then I found out she had been cheating with a lot of guys the whole time. She had, I got her to admit this. And then I found out she was, had been a prostitute for a long time. An oh, not a prostitute. Like, she wasn't like a streetwalker, like an escort. She actually called herself a high-end. I said, so basically you're a prostitute. And she goes, no, it was a high-end call girl. I'm like, so you're a prostitute. And she would get more and more angry as I was like, so you're a prostitute. Like, you, you have sex for money. <laughs> like, this is very, like, you seem confused on this issue. Anyway. But it's not like uh, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So these days, you know, who knows what she's doing now, but these days you would see this more as like sugar dating, but really it's, it was escorting is what she was doing. She did this before I met her uh, in other relationships. She did it when we were dating, and I found out she had been doing it when we were married. Uh, she didn't need the money. She, there was nothing, like, you know, we, we didn't have like some starving child in the street, you know, needed to be fucking fed, and I was disabled or something. She was doing this. Well, in the end of the day, I think she had, you know, for kicks and things like that and the excitement of it and the cash, uh, I believe firmly that she had a cluster B personality disorder, which a lot of guys who go through these toxic relationships that have this super bizarre shit that happen, it's not like a regular relationship that kind of went south and there was like a bad breakup. These are like really bad breakups. Uh, these are like epic, you know. Like the guy you mentioned with uh, just recently, you know, that you did the video on, uh, it sounds like he was dating a single mom, he got married to her, he knocked her up. Well, they didn't get married. They were, I think they were living together or spending a... Yeah. I'm, well, maybe they weren't. He didn't say, but... You know, they had a kid together, obviously, and when he met her, they she had just had a baby from some other oh, guy who supposedly was a horrible boyfriend, a horrible human being, oh, crap. and he just yep. kind of, you know, yep. abandoned her, and she's going to raise the kid on her own without him because she's a strong, liberated, independent yep. woman. Yep. And the reality, because he ended up, talk, I guess, talking to the... Um, the ex, you know, I guess one of the ex-boyfriends, he's like, yeah, she used to, she's doing the same shit to him. Yep. But the guy that she had the kid with has no idea that he's the father of her child. 
because I guess it was one of her Johns that you know she was hooking up with oh, that got knocked up by. God. So there's a dude walking around that has a son that has no idea. Yeah, he's got yeah. a son. So a lot of these chicks that were these guys that go through these really toxic relationships, they get roped up in this nightmare stuff. Like I did, you know, waking up. I basically woke up one day to discover my wife was a prostitute. Like this was this was shocking. Like, this was not. I don't think her family knew this. This her family was very surprised. I think to hear this. I think I think they had the brother, for example. I think he knew that she was kind of like super promiscuous, but I don't think they knew she was a hooker. Like this this was a big shock to her family and stuff. Like holy shit, and to me as well and my friends and stuff. Uh, but when a lot of these guys get roped into these relationships, whether it was mine or that guy, and you know a lot of your fans will have been through experiences like this. These women are not just bad women that act out. They have personality disorders. They have maybe, maybe they inherited it through genetics, maybe they had a really tough childhood, sexual abuse, things like that, that led to trauma that went unresolved and then eventually dominated how they think, act, and behave. So, like, my ex-wife had a wedding ring on and thought it was okay to go out and suck dick for cash. And, like, most wives with a wedding ring on would not be, this is not normal. Like, this isn't just regular cheating, this is cheating for cash. She had bills to pay, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? People said I should have kept her and like pimped her out basically, and I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not down with that. But good thinking, right? Good, you know, be a hustler. But yeah, I mean, this is this is disordered behavior. This is malignant behavior that destroys relationships, it destroys lives. Um, fortunately, we didn't have any kids together, and I also protected myself legally. I never got legally married to her. Um, I'm firmly opposed to any kind of legal marriage in the West today. I think the government. I support the position of like Senator Rand Paul and Congressman, former Congressman Ron Paul. The marriage should be a private uh, ceremony, a private religious kind of uh, institution, and the government should have very limited involvement in, uh, in it. Maybe, for example, if you have a contract or a civil uh, union kind of thing going on, that's it. And the way we do marriage today with government heavily involved, I think it's a bunch of nonsense. And as a result, men get you know screwed over in divorce court and family court every day. And I didn't want to go through that. As a, you know, as being a part of the manosphere and running the conference, I knew enough from the pickup artists and the men's rights guys. It was like something is really off with marriage today in the West, and I'm not okay with that. I don't want to get involved with that, regardless of the chick. You know, I thought she was, of course, amazing. I thought she was this unicorn, loved my life, all that. Uh, a lot of that though was that was fake. I mean, that was her playing to my values, playing to what I wanted, uh, well beyond the level that would be considered healthy. A woman maybe adopting what a man wants and responding to that. Everything that pe everything that people, not just women, but she men. She just and women, basically told you what you wanted to hear, and you were yeah. already predisposed to believe it. Yeah, she told me I wanted to hear at a really extreme level. Just like her behavior wasn't just promiscuous; it was criminal. I mean, this is like deliberately, you know, prostitution in Florida is not legal. This is in Nevada. So the behavior that people with personality disorders do tends to be really exaggerated, almost cartoonish, and that's what she did: the rampant lying, the rampant cheating, the prostitution, like all this stuff. Uh, it's very abusive behavior at a really bizarre level, just like what that guy went through. You know, she wasn't just kind of like lying a little bit about this. She had a whole life hidden behind, like my ex-wife. This was a whole double life, so much so that when we split up or when I found this out, I thought she had a split personality disorder or multiple personalities or something like that. Because it was so uncharacteristic of who she, as she presented herself, that persona, I was like, this is just nuts. Like, you have to be fucking crazy to be married and go suck dick for cash. Like, why? Like, who does this? Like, it's really rare that that happens. Um, See, so yeah, I was a whole shit show, and I gave a speech on it, and it's been four years now. I've been single ever since, and I tend to keep it that way for a little while longer. I do look forward to getting into a relationship in the future at some point, one where the chick is not a clear crazy cluster B clusterfuck, as we call it. 
Cluster B being the, the spectrum of personality disorders that are considered dramatic by the APA, the American Psychological Association. Whose idea was it to become exclusive initially? <laughs> Who brought that up? Uh, she did, I think, yeah. After how long of dating? Um, about a month. About a month? Yeah. When, when yeah. was like the first red flag that you were like, eh, something's oh, yeah. not so right let's, there? Let's, let's get it, into that. So there were plenty of red flags that, well, there were some, there were some things about her that were positive, like genuinely, and I considered them kind of green flags. For example, she didn't have a ton of shoes, uh, which most chicks like have all these, you know, they have fucking like 50 pairs of shoes, it's nuts to me. She didn't, she had like 10 or something. I was like, that's reasonable, like that's, that's interesting, most girls are like not like that. Um, she had a house and it was put together, it was clean, and that was, that was not just the beginning, that was consistent for years. And it wasn't like some weird... And she uh, was older too, right? She was older than me, yeah. That was, that was a big mistake. How many, how uh, many years older was she? Seven. Seven years? Yeah. I mean, she looked young, though. I mean, she looked... Uh, a lot of people thought I was older than she was. Growing up in Florida, I've always had the sun and stuff, so I've looked, like, a lot older than I am for years. That seems to be leveling out now at 30, 31. But, yeah, there were plenty of red flags like that. I moved in, I moved in with her really fast, uh, a few months after we started dating. Uh, my lease ended on my place, and it was, you know, convenient. It's how a lot of guys get roped into that stuff. Uh, so moved in too fast, which is a big red flag that she would even want that. Moving too fast, all that stuff. And women with personality disorders tend to push that stuff, too. Like we mentioned earlier, too, women are good at, you know, seeing through your bullshit and finding chinks in your armor. Mm -hmm. Women with personality disorders, borderline personality disorder, uh, antisocial personality disorder, all that, they're like that to the max. Like, they will not only find weak, weak links you have and rip them open, they'll find, they'll generate more if they can. They'll find insecurities and magnify them and amplify them. So they're very destructive. And so it keeps you guessing and doubting yourself? They thinking, want you well, to, Well, maybe yeah. I did something yeah. wrong. Maybe, maybe I was a little bit of a <coughs> jerk, and maybe I Absolutely. should apologize. And they want to distort your sense of reality uh, between right and wrong and what, what's true and what's, what's false. Uh, they'll gaslight the hell out of you, uh, you know, through, through the roof. So it's a lot of very negative, destructive behavior, and it's, it's their own unresolved trauma, mixing with some of yours, but they're like the active initiators of this stuff, and they're, they're predatory. And like one of the things I mentioned in the speech that people found pretty, pretty interesting is most guys look at the sexual marketplace, they look at a girl, and they want to, I mean, this is super common in the manosphere and beyond that, they rank a girl, right, 1 to 10. You know, she's a 10, she's a supermodel, she's super hot, she's exactly what they want, uh, you know, across maybe a variety of factors, physicality, personality, whatever, right? Boobs, butt, looks, you, you know, age, whatever the case is. Down to 1, they're, you know, overweight, ugly, hideous, all that stuff. I think it's actually a mistake, and I think that women with personality disorders actually represent negative value to your life. So if you look at it like a diagram, you have like 10, 0, if they're like, you know, hideous, then you have a negative 10 spectrum. And I think that these women, the, you know, the... It goes into the energy vampires. They're vampires, exactly. They're vampires, I call them sharks, like sharks swimming uh, in the depths of the ocean. If you look at it like an ocean. But they really are predatory and they're dangerous to your life much more so than a normal woman even could be. Uh, even considering things like false rape allegations, false domestic violence allegations, women like this are, and men like this too, right? These people exist, the vipers, as we call them. Uh, they're dangerous. Uh, the possibility for cheating is way higher, uh, relationship abuse, emotional abuse, false allegations. I was worried about that when I split up with her. Uh, in Florida, for example, there's like a two-year statute on some of these false allegations. For the f so for the first two years, I was like, holy shit. Is she going to falsely accuse me of whatever because she's pissed about the video? She does. She is aware of the video, of course, and she wants it taken down, which I'm like, nope. So, that's that.
But yeah, I think women with personality disorders, I mean, they're a chunk of the population, just like men. Uh, they say up to 15% of people have cluster B personality disorders, and it's not always obvious, you know. Some of these chicks will have a bunch of tattoos, and they have very obvious daddy issues, and they're kind of unhinged. Those are like lower functioning versions of this, uh, but not all women are like that. Some of them have these disorders, and they're higher functioning. They're able to navigate like my ex-wife, uh, for whatever reason, smart, clever, motivated, whatever the case is. They'll navigate the situations. Tattoos? Zero tattoos. Zero tattoos. Zero. That's what I'm saying. Like, Interesting. The dudes, I, yeah. I've personally found the more <laughs> tattoos a girl has, the higher they are on the crazy scale. In a way that you can see. That's that. That's the problem with some of this. So she had zero tattoos before I knew her with her and beyond. And this has and come from a guy that's had several girlfriends that had tattoos. Yeah, yeah. She had no... So weird... it's not that I don't like women without tattoos. It's just you tend to get a higher... You know, when I compare them versus women I've dated yeah. that had none, the women had none, had good relationships with their dads, yep. were pretty level-headed. Uh, the ones that had tattoos, yep. father was missing, or <coughs> they had several fathers... So I kind of like girls that have tattoos because, uh, now these things you're saying are true. The issue is they're showing you their trauma. They're physically expressing it on their body by, you know, marking up an organ, their skin. And that has problems with it, like you're saying, and I agree with you. The issue is, is when, if they have those problems and they don't express them in a way that you see, they hide them. And those are the ones that are the most dangerous. They're covert narcissists. They're not overt. People claim Trump's a narcissist and all that. I think I disagree with that. But at minimum, he's expressing it openly and outwardly, and it's obvious. He is who he is. You know, makes fun of people, but, you know, you know whatever all the stuff he does. Yeah, he doesn't take shit from anybody. If you, yeah. if you hit him, he's going to hit you back twice as hard. That's just his That's philosophy. Right. That's right. I've even shared that quote of his on my, uh, yeah. my Instagram. Punch back ten times harder. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The issue is, is that narcissism is not, I don't think he's disorder. I don't think he's personality disorder. But the way he expresses narcissism on purpose or strategy or whatever he's doing in his life, whatever goal he has, business or presidency or whatever, he's expressing it openly and outwardly. It's overt. It's the covert narcissist, male or female, they're a lot more dangerous because they can worm their way into your life and into your head and into your value system and whatever trauma, weaknesses you have, and they, they can just, you know, fester these problems in you, which can be good for you long term if you survive. But as you probably know, guys kill themselves a lot of the time, uh, at least compared to women. They kill themselves at 500% the rate that women do. I've got a shit ton of emails over the years from guys that told me that you know yeah. my book, my work was what kept them from offing themselves because right. you know they hear stories yeah. like this and they're like, oh fuck, it yeah. wasn't me, I wasn't the problem. She, was, I just made a bad choice. Yeah. And then you give them the skills that they need to yeah. make a good choice and find a good woman in the future, have a good relationship, and yeah. completely changes the paradigm. I'll be straight with you, man. The first time I had any serious thought of suicide in my life was walking around my neighborhood as I was packing up my shit, moving out, you know, from a Medusa. And I was like, wow, I fucking married a hooker. And I was, you know, this was not, this was an accident. This was not a purpose. And that was emotionally very traumatic for me. It was the first time in my life I had very serious uh, emotional trauma from a relationship like that. Everything before that was, you know, peanuts compared to that. That was devastating. This is a woman that, you know, I lived with for, you know, over four years, was married to. You know, loved her. She was my wife. And she was out fucking sucking dick for cash and whatnot on the side the whole time. Not, not all the time. This wasn't like weekly activity, I think. But it was consistent every few months or something when she needed to get some extra cash or for the excitement or whatever the fuck the reason was. The validation, you know. Just, my, just choke like, a couple kit, you know, chickens here and there and make some quick cash. There's, it's ironic you bring that up for reasons I'll tell you when we get done uh, filming that I can't say on camera. But yeah, choke some chickens, yeah. Yep. But like you mentioned too though, so there were some things that were not, 
you know, she had no weird piercing. She had one, uh, she used to have one on her belly button, but she took, she got rid of it. And she had a piercing, you know, just like on her earlobes, and that's it. So there was no, she wasn't covered head to toe in tattoos. Um, there wasn't anything weird like that. She was not overweight. She was put together. She stayed fit the whole time we were together. Super trad wife, too. So that was one of the things, too. She knew I wanted that kind of traditional life. So she played up to that to the max. And a lot of guys don't know this because I didn't mention that in the speech uh, when I gave this at the time. This is, you know, four years ago now about. But, dude, she, she cooked and cleaned and, you know, uh, what is it? Stomach full of balls empty. Like, to the max. We fucked every day for, like, four and a half years. And she would cook and clean, like, cook this extravagant stuff. I had So in some ways it was a nightmare. In other ways I had a fucking great time. So like, she was able to completely compartmentalize her life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, really, yeah, that's, that's, that's you know, I should have mentioned the speech. That's one of the reasons it was so fucking bizarre. Yeah, she compartmentalized. I mean, she would, I think she would literally go fuck guys, like, fuck a client in Naples, Florida. We used to live down in Southwest Florida. And then on the way home, well, stuff, she, 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 was, she was good at covering her tracks. She had reasons to go out and do these things, right, to cover her, so I wouldn't get suspicious. So she'd go to, like, Whole Foods after it. She dropped like three, four hundred dollars at Whole Foods, almost exclusively on stuff for me, like organic, gluten free, grass fed, like the most expensive shit you can imagine. And so she's showering you with praise and gifts for years, for years, man. That's what kept the illusion going. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So when she really fucked up, she would spend a lot of money on you. Yeah. Well, I think she would. I think she would. I don't know if she felt guilty or not. Maybe she didn't. But yeah, she would make all this cash and then she would just blow it on me, like eighty percent of it. So I kind of got paid, she would fuck for cash, and then she would pay me with gifts and shit from it. So yeah, at the end of the day, too, I lost no money with my divorce, so to speak, the separation. And I made out pretty cash positive for years with this chick, because she just kept making money and blowing it on me, like left and right. Whatever the motivations behind that were, I mean, probably several, wasn't probably singular. But yeah, it was a really wild experience. And uh, it's been a cornerstone of moving, well, it's, it's a period of my life that I'll never, I'll never forget. I mean, how many times are you going to marry a hooker in Vegas? We got married in Vegas, too, by the way. That was my idea. We didn't meet in Vegas. We met in Florida. We lived in Florida. But I wanted to get out of Florida, so I picked Vegas. But at the end of the day, you know, I didn't know she was a hooker, so it's like, oh, I married a hooker in Vegas. Like, what else is new? So what other yeah. kinds of red flags did you see along the way? Were there things you saw in the beginning that you were like, that's something's well, not right about that, but then you just dismissed it? Well, one of them, for example, I didn't know. So there's a couple I didn't know how to interpret. So, for example, when she didn't have tattoos... I didn't understand why she didn't have tattoos, which at the end of the day, I think it's because she had she has MPD. She has a narcissistic personality disorder. So she's obsessed with her appearance to a ridiculously and unhealthy degree. So tattoos interfere with that. That's the reason she didn't get tattoos, not because she didn't have trauma. She hid the trauma and expressed it in other ways, so cheating, prostitution, and stuff like that. So it's the tattoos are not as important as why someone has them or doesn't have them, which is what I realize now. So and that's not... That's advice people need to hear, but it's not as easy to understand and apply in real life. It means you're responsible for applying it, and it's complicated sometimes. This is a really good example of that. I know chicks who are way less crazy than my ex-wife who have a bunch of tattoos. They, they just kind of own it. It's just who they are. Mm-hmm. They get marked up because they were traumatized or whatever. Um, another one, though, is that her dad... I asked her early on because one of our speakers talked about this, and I liked it. He was like, always ask a woman what her relationship is like with her father. So early on, first or second day, I asked her, I was like, what's your relationship like with your dad? And she pops back, oh, he died like a long time ago, years ago, which was true. And I had never had a girl that I wanted to bang before, you know, and all that. I wanted to date. I never had one say that to me. It was, you know, dad was always alive because I was young. I was 22 when I met her. I was about to be 23. So that kind of like, I was like, oh, shit. 
feel like I stepped in a landmine. And so factually, that was true. Her dad had died years before you know I met her, like uh, ten years or something like that. But I didn't know how to handle that, and it wasn't until you know I don't know probably a year or two later that we got more into the issues she had with her father and what that was like. So I asked a good question early on that men should ask generally, but I was so young and inexperienced with that specific kind of question probing, I didn't know how to handle it. And of course, you know, not having a father is a very deep wound in someone like that. You know, she wasn't you know that old; she was like thirty at the time. But yeah, not having a father, I mean, it's going to. She leave. never talked about the relationship she had with him. Uh, well, she had played it like she didn't want to get into it because it was so painful, which is partly true. It's just later on I found out how dysfunctional it was and stuff like that. And by that point, we had already been together for probably a year at that point. Yeah, that's one of the big things, man. It's like women who love their dads, they're, mm -hmm. they're proud of them, they talk about them. Absolutely. And yeah. if you got a woman that's evasive, <clears throat> yes, you know, you got to pay attention. So the, basically the death was the tool to be evasive about it. And, you know, legitimately, that's a sensitive issue if your parent is fucking dead. Mm -hmm. And I'm just popping off asking kind of randomly about that. So, yeah, that was a red flag I missed. And, frankly, I didn't understand how to navigate it at that point when a girl's father had died. At this point, if a girl's father's dead, that's uh, unfortunate, but it's almost a red flag in itself. Regardless yeah, if, if he dies when she's 30, but she doesn't want to talk about it, and yeah. she's, what, 37 at the time? Or thir how, no, she was she? 30. She was yeah. 30 at the time? Yeah. And he died when? How old was she when she, when he she was? She was probably like 22, 23. So it had been you know, many years. Not a super long time, but a good chunk of time. Yeah. Other red flags um, we get into. Yeah, because well, girls seriously. have good relationships with their dads. They've got, you know, if they're on social media, they got pictures of their dads there. Yeah. They talk about their dads glowingly. They fucking love the shit out of them. Yeah. Because they look up to them and they admire them. But That's right. If, if it's just a black hole... Yeah. And you can't get any information? Well, the relationship, the relationship with the father is going to reflect how they view men. I mean, that's, this mm -hmm. is like the longest-running male relationship they've had in their life. So without that, because he died or because it was abusive or whatever, like, yeah, it's a, it's a bad thing. The and there was no uncles or grandfathers that she was close to or anything like that? Uh, I actually met her, her grandfather, her great-grandfather. Yeah, she, did, she was, uh, I met her grandfather at one point up in Michigan. Uh, she was close with him, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a father relationship. It wasn't like a substitute. In other words, when she got into a jam or needed advice, she's not going to pick up the phone and call him. Correct. Yeah, she was close with her grandma a lot too, but her grandma had died uh, probably two, three years before I met her. Uh, so that was the whole thing too. But some other red flags. Uh, she was a nurse, an RN, registered nurse, uh, which honestly is kind of a red flag. Like every nurse, I've, I've banged like a bunch of nurses since then. And they all tend to be a little, little kind of weird, kind of screwy. So I didn't understand that at the time. Hairstylist, nurse. She's also a massage therapist at the Ritz, at a, you know five star hotel. I'll be getting lots of shit comments from nurses going, "Fuck you, nurse." <laughs> no, man. not of course. Doesn't mean all of them. Yeah, Some of, of course them. not. Of course not. But generally, they tend to be like. Uh, I mean, look, I'm gonna tell you right now. Almost every nurse I bang has fake tits, and I'm a big fan. I think fake tits are wonderful. The issue is, it's like, why do you have them outside of a relationship? Uh, Medusa did not have fake tits when I met her, but she was a nurse, and eventually in the relationship she did get fake tits, which I was like, fuck yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, she even paid for them, I didn't pay for them, um, so that was great. Anyway, though, the nurse thing is a problem, uh, to be honest. Actually, she didn't pay for him. Yeah, that's right. Oh, dude, there's actually, I have, so she was missing, she was missing, uh, I don't know, five, six hundred bucks for the surgery, right? And she asked me to loan her like five, six hundred bucks. Uh, this was back in 2013 or something like that. 
and we had the convention coming up. I was like, hey, look, I can't, I can't do that right now. I have a lot of expenses going on, a lot of shit. Like, just ask your sister or your brother or something. It'll be fun. You know, I just kind of brushed it off like nothing. And she kept pushing. And I was like, no, like, I'm not doing it. Like, I got shit going on. Just ask your, you know, your sister or your brother. You'll find somebody. It'd be easy. These are, they're older than her even, right? They were like late 30s and 40s. I was like, it'd be easy. It's 500 bucks, right? She was going to stay with her sister in California for the thing. She did. So I just assumed that she would do that. I found out later, I found the fucking text conversation. She actually went to LA where she got the surgery and she fucked a guy the night before the surgery for the 500 bucks. I have the fucking text conversation. I have the address, like all the fucking shit. And I was just like, I found this like years later. I'm like, holy shit. Even the specific 500 bucks, she went and fucked. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. That's how specific some of the evidence I found was too. And that's part of what made the speech compelling. It wasn't just me claiming this. I had... I had a written confession from her on some of the stuff. I had evidence I'd found through text messages, phone numbers, all kinds of shit. So it was a fucking shit show. So we were talking about, you know, the red flags and stuff. Uh, there was numerous little ones like that. And then those were mixed in with some kind of green flags. Like, she didn't have a crazy amount of shoes, which honestly is pretty rare. Uh, she had zero tattoos. I thought that was pretty good. And at face value, those kind of things are good. Uh, but at the end of the day, I did not have the experience uh, with women or in life to navigate some of the more complex ones that were she was hiding things or compensating for things, too. Uh, an example would be the elaborate dinners and grocery shopping she would do after she fucked somebody like that for cash. Uh, it did not occur to me that so she So those was, are like little intermittent extravagances that yeah. would happen, and that would typically... Now, looking back on it, you can say that's yeah. probably after she yeah. just fucked somebody else because she felt guilty about it. Exactly. Yep. So she's trying to make up for it. And it's a way to compensate for that, yeah, exactly, and a way to express it. And then she, you know, fucking blow me and all this stuff and whatever. But yeah, it was uh, it was a bizarre experience, man, super bizarre. But I learned a lot from it. Like, I'm glad it happened. I didn't get any STDs from it, thank God. When I, fi when I figured out she was a prostitute, I immediately went to get, you know, checked, and I was like, when I remember when they called me, I was I actually started crying. Like a week later, I got the results, and I had zero STDs. And I thought I was—I thought I had something. I'm like, there's no You're fucking way. Free at last, free at last. Yeah. Thank yeah. God Almighty, we are free at last. Dude, I didn't know if I had fucking HIV, fucking herpes. <clears throat> fuck no, I had nothing at the end of the day. But I figured I had something, and I didn't. And I was like, you thought you were—you were gonna be Charlie Sheen, huh? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know. I was like, dude. I mean, this—this this hit me so fast, like a ton of bricks. It was just wild. Uh, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot about women, a lot about myself. Um, it was a pivotal experience in my life, and the speech, I think, is an expression of that. I think that's why it's part of the reason it's gone viral. Uh, you talked about it was something very relational for men to learn from, and it was very raw. I cursed a lot in the video, probably a little too much, but, you know, it's an expression of the passion, the intensity of what yeah, I went through. Lots of cursing happens on my channel, so. Yeah, yeah. I, dro I, dro I tend to be <laughs> To the my king. monetization detriment, but. I, I take all challengers for dropping F-bombs, and I tend to win. <laughs> Uh, I have a few close, like Hunter Drew, a buddy of mine, one of our speakers. We both drop like a bunch of F-bombs and we speak. But yeah, it was a wild experience, and I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I made the mistakes I did with her, with the red flags, for example, because ultimately that relationship was long-term useless. Like, I should have never been there in the first place, at minimum due to the age difference. Well, quite frankly, in your line of work, I mean, the way yeah. I look at things is what happened happened, and it couldn't have happened yeah. any other way. It That's was, right. It had to happen. Yeah. For you to, you know, because that makes you a better speaker, a better yep. coach, a better teacher. Because well, now you got something that some <clears throat> some kid might be 16, 18, 19 years old, and they hear yeah. it, and then five years from now, they start dating a girl, and those little things are happening. They're like, That's oh, right. yeah, I remember right. when President Johnson experienced that. Well, I knew, you know, for example, the speakers that I convention for years, I talked about, you know, energy vampires and women who were, you know, toxic for you, not good for you. And I would hear that, and I didn't really understand it. 
And looking back on it, I can see why I didn't understand it, because I never experienced it at a very visceral, in-your-face level. I had banging girls, all these girls in college and stuff, but they were like, the worst ones were just kind of like, uh, you know, wild party chicks. They were kind of like unhinged and shit, with tattoos and whatnot, which comparatively is not that bad versus a professional hooker who's good at manipulating men and getting money from them and, you know, doing all this toxic shit. So I had to learn the hard way that there are dangerous women out there, there are dangerous people in general, but when you put your dick in a woman that you like and you want to have sex with and make a family with or whatever, you know, literally reproduce with, that makes you compromised. And it puts you in a very vulnerable position. Because now you're attached to an outcome. That's right, yeah. I mean, we literally got married. We had a wedding anyway. I mentioned the private marriage. Uh, we never got legally married, but we did have a wedding. We had both families come out. We had a honeymoon in Hawaii for a week. We traded rings, vows, and she took my last name. So she went to the courthouse, spent, you know, four or five hundred bucks had me passport, social security card, driver's license, all that shit, took my last name. So we had all the mechanics of a marriage minus the legal entanglements that I refused to get in. She pushed for that and I was like, it's not happening, get the fuck out of here. And I got pushed back from my family too and her family on that and I was like, I don't care. Like, take it or leave it. Good for you this for standing ground, man. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, a few people That's masculinity there, it's like, nope. Yeah. Not willing to compromise, even if it means, means you leave. You know, one of, mm -hmm. a good, good friend of mine, he, he was, uh, this is back when we were in our 20s, and he was engaged, and his, his uh, then fiance was giving him shit about something, and yeah. he didn't like, like, I don't remember what she said, but she was kind of, I think, in a way threatening about something, and he was just like, well, give me my ring back. Nice. And she looked, she was taken <laughs> aback, and, you know, she started crying, and, yeah. you know, he was... He, he was going to do what he wanted. He was, yeah. he was a good guy, and he's still with her to this day, almost fucking 30 years later. Wow. So He's one of the few few guys I listen to when when we talk about dating Well, him putting his foot down is probably part of the reason that relationship has stood for so long. Yeah. Having the boundaries and the enforcement of those boundaries, too. He's gotten softer a little bit, which yeah. happens there because women don't stop. They're always going to test you. They're well, always going to test your strength. Testosterone all, uh, declines over time, too. That too, but you yeah. know they're they're like the fucking Borg. You will be assimilated, <laughs> man. <laughs> Resistance yeah. is futile. Well, <laughs> they're not so. going to stop. It's just they're driven that way. They're you know feminine energy is driven to test masculine yeah. strength. You that's know, right. You just you act like a bitch. You're going to get treated like one. That's right. And that's oh. that's harsh reality. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. It's like sorry. I didn't make women this this way. You know, if you don't like it, talk to the big man well, now upstairs. We're gonna make, now we're going to make women great again. Yeah, now we're going to yeah. make women great yeah, again man. at the convention. So what? at what point did – tell me about how it all unraveled. Where, like, yeah. your perfect world just – tell me this. I mean, things at the end were pretty rocky anyway. But uh, we still had a wedding anniversary, and it was February 2nd. We got married on Super Bowl Sunday, actually, that year in 2014, it was. But things were not – it didn't look like I was gonna wake up in a few weeks like I did and find out she was a fucking cheating hooker. So, so you were already not getting along before it blew up. Uh, at the end, yeah. For so in other words, the honeymoon period was definitely over, yes. and you were starting to see her yes. for what she really was. There was it was starting to come through. I think the mask. This happens in toxic relationships with legitimate covert narcissists. They can only keep the mask on for so long. Uh, now that depends on their motivation and other factors like how competent are they, how smart are they. In her case, I think she was highly motivated for whatever reason, from pain, trauma, uh, whatever, right? Like one of my friends said, her, her marriage to me was a scream for normalcy. She had been not normal for so long, had been a prostitute for so long, had lived this kind of double life that she wanted to get away from it. And she saw me as a pathway or tool for doing that. 
along with whatever other motivations and fucked up shit she had going on. Uh, but yeah, so eventually the, the mask slips, whether that's, you know, six months in, two years in, or in my case, uh, a little bit over four years in, things started getting, starting to unravel. How? What did that look like? What specifically happened? Oh man, that's a whole fucking Was situation. it fighting? Were you not getting along? Was she being bitchy well, to you? Like, I don't even know where to begin. Or, there's some of the stuff I can't share on camera because I don't have evidence for it, so I don't want to get like defamation stuff. Yeah, but layman's terms. Give us like a yeah. Cliff Notes version. <laughs> she did some things Because, you were, know, the people watch this are going to want to, how do I spot a girl like this? That's, yeah. you know, really going to be the takeaway. What Obviously, the red flags are you got too serious, too fast. Yes. Yeah. You, um... Which is bad in general, but it's especially bad when a woman is pushing, like, you know, full speed, no brakes for that stuff. That's a symptom of personality disorder. It's not a girl that likes you too much and is kind of digging into it, like, too much. It's that there's an agenda behind it. There's a, there's a, it's fake, basically. Yeah. Um, so you want to keep going into it, though? Yeah. yeah well, the, the red flags, it, so overall, yeah. what are the, what are the red <laughs> flags you miss that, you know, so the, hmm. the 18, 20, the 22-year-old guy that's, that's watching this, that's... Yeah. Yep. He doesn't know it yet, but maybe next week well, or in a couple weeks he's going to meet a similar girl. It's like, yeah. what's he got to be on the lookout for? Uh, number one, if it, you know, this is a very old school saying, but it's true. And if it's too good, if it sounds or looks too good to be true, it probably is. So in this case, you know, her being, being older is a problem in itself, but her being just this girl who happened to be single and all this stuff, who was hot and, you know, was really into me, it's, it was just too much, too fast. Especially with the values and the way she's playing to what I, you know, telling me what I wanted to hear. Not just telling me, but acting to what I wanted to hear too. I even had a friend early on when she, when he, one of my best friends met her. We did a camping trip together. I did a camping trip every year with my friends. We had anywhere from ten to twenty of us went out, and he actually said to me, and this is very common for these kind of relationships with people of a personality disorder. He said, uh, "Dude, she's like a male version of you," and he meant that sincerely, and he meant it. I think as a compliment at the time. The problem is that she was not a male version of me, and you don't want. I don't think you should want that anyway. Men and women are different in. You don't need a fucking, you know, a female version of yourself with tits. I don't think that's a healthy relationship to have. It's okay to be different from your partner or from your, you know, your girlfriend or whatever. But anyway, she was... You can have similar goals or values or you can be clashing all the time. You should, yeah. But there's room for differences too, and they can be substantial. Uh, you don't have to have, like, all the same hobbies, for example, and shit like that. Yeah, I had a girlfriend that was a uh, socialist, and I just... Yeah, that's We too butted much. Head on, yeah. heads on just so many things that... Yeah. We yeah. saw the world completely opposite in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, and it's I'm, like trying to have out. that discussion. is like it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I don't have the yeah. patience for that. Maybe I'm a dick for but, that, but I don't care. That's well, my friend making that comment, though, that to me, this is actually studied and talked about in uh, books and things like that that discuss these kind of toxic relationships. It's a really early sign that your friends will notice. The partner, whether you're male or female, whatever the girl is. So in other words, the red flag is she's putting on an, an act. In other words, yes. she's, she's so much like you, she's too yes. much like you, and that, exactly. that should be concerning. Yes, it should be concerning, especially if your friends are noticing it. Not just you, because you're in the middle of it, and you're the target. I mean, this is literally predatory behavior. You're the target, and you're emotionally compromised because you're physically compromised. Mm-hmm. Your pair bonding, <clears throat> the hormones, the orgasms, all that stuff. So, yeah, if she's, if, it's, if she's too much like you and your friends are noticing it, that's a big flag, big red flag. Even if they don't see it as a bad thing, you should. Uh, she should be, you know, different from you. She shouldn't be the exact same. I don't think she should be a socialist if you're a MAGA, you know, Trump supporter or whatever. Yeah, that but, goes over like a lead balloon with the socialists. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're MAGA, swipe left. Yeah. Honestly, you know, I know some of your fans might not like it, the girls, but, you know, 
Uh, massage therapists tend to be really like odd. They tend to have a lot of weird beliefs. And she even she even told me this. Like all her friends, she's like, yeah, they're all like nuts. Well, they honestly they are. Like I've met other massage therapists, and they tend to be like in a really weird stuff. Hey, it's a free country, do your thing. But it's like the hairstylist, right? Hairstylist girls are always like kind of wild. Uh, you know, good for a night, maybe not good for you know a relationship or building a family. Uh, nurses again. Not too. in all cases, though. So don't be getting not in all. Butter. Of course, of course not. But a lot of them. Uh, same way you don't, you know, this is, an, this is another level, but you don't intentionally date strippers. Like, they're notorious for having unlimited problems. Any guy I ever know who's been banging strippers or knows them or worked at a nightclub, they will tell you, stri stri female strippers have unlimited fucking problems. So you don't date them. Like, if you want to bang one, I mean, all right, you know, so, you know, take your swing, man, go for it. But you don't want to build a family with one, usually, unless you're just crazy as shit. Um, but she was, you know, both a nurse and, uh, you know, a massage therapist, which is like a double whammy of crazy. So, you know, take the profession seriously. If she's working somewhere and doing something, like, what is she doing? Particularly if she's using her body, now in her case she wasn't, but I would say in general, if a woman is using her body and her physicality to get money in her job, that's a bad thing. Even something like a bartender, if she's a bartender, if some girl you're into is a bartender to bar, she's constantly wearing push-up bras to get more tips. Her, it's been normalized for her to use sexuality to get money, to make it like super transactional. Not like a relationship where you're trading values, but she's literally trading sexuality for cash. And that's not prostitution, but that's not healthy. It's not healthy, at least for someone you want to build a relationship with, in my opinion. Elite, well, let me say this, it's something to watch out for. It's like tattoos, right? Yep. Maybe not the end of the world, maybe you know some bartenders are worth dating. A lot of them, I think, are not. Because they're constantly trading the woman anyway, sex for money, or sexuality for money. You don't want that in your life, unless you just want to go go that angle and you know go to town. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been there, done that, and wouldn't recommend it. So those last few months you guys were together, you said it was yeah. already. Were you just not getting along? What was what was different? What had changed? Yeah, I mean, she tried shutting the. You know, she tried this early on, and she tried it again later. She tried. So, for example, six months after we got married, she tried shutting the sex off to whenever she wanted. Whereas up to that point, this has been this had been two and a half, three years at this point. We had sex every day, whenever I wanted, which is every day. Uh, I'm just you know I'm super I'm young, super horny like that, right? High libido, and she just had this whole hissy fit, and you know she didn't want to fuck like that anymore. I was like, hey, I didn't. And not early on, I told her this to her face. I even say this in the speech. I was like, hey, like I didn't sign up for that. I love you, but I'm not okay with that. We've been having sex every day pretty much for you know years, and we're gonna keep doing that, or I'm gonna leave tomorrow, like in 24 hours, I'm going to end, end this whole thing and we're fucking done. I did not sign up for that. She, of course, had this huge hissy fit and screaming and shit, and I'm like, whoa. But of course, we ended up keep fucking for years after that, or whatever, a year and a half or something. She tried this again at the end, it was kind of a repeat of the six-month thing, because a lot of this is planned, right? It's all fake, it's her playing to what I want to hear, doing what I want. It's not real, and it's not genuine passion. So do you, so. Was she, do you feel that she was never in love with you, never really cared, it was all an act on her part? That's a good question. That's something I've, I've thought a lot about. I think early on it was a lot more genuine. Uh, just the newness of it and stuff like that. I mean, that could be bullshit too, though. It's hard to say. It's a good book you should read, 3% yeah. Man. Yeah? Yeah, interesting, yeah. <laughs> I, look for, I ordered my copy today, actually. <laughs> Yeah, get your book now, understandingrelationships.com. <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah. you can definitely get, you can read 3% Man and Mastering Yourself, my second book at mm -hmm. understandingrelationships.com. All you got to do is subscribe to the email yeah. newsletter. So it is a really good question. Um, part of it, why it's complicated to answer is I don't know if she's even capable of loving someone 
genuinely and in a meaningful way, in an adult, mature way? I really don't know. And that's not just unique to her, that's unique, that's specific to anyone with a personality disorder that makes relationships basically impossible. Like one of the key characteristics of women with borderline personality disorder is abandonment issues, usually from a dad. So we, we call these daddy issues in everyday language, but really it's abandonment issues. And basically they're so dysfunctional in their personality and their psychology, they make it impossible to be in a long-term relationship with them. They engage in behaviors that make it impossible to stay with them. So in her case, for example, uh, I told her early on, I have zero tolerance for violence, domestic violence, and zero tolerance for cheating. You ever hit me, you ever cheat on me, I'm gone immediately, which in the end is what I had to do. She acted, and now she, did, she cheated on every boyfriend she ever had, as far as I know. That's what she told me. Like, you mentioned that mm -hmm. in uh, earlier, too, with some of the other stuff. She, she told me <coughs> flat out. I was like, whoa. And, of course, that was never disclosed, because that would have made me watch out yeah, for Yeah, you it. found that out at the end? I found that out at the end. Now that, so she hid a lot of stuff, too. Like, you mentioned some of the red flags. She put, to her credit, she put in the effort to hide a lot of this as best she could. And then on top of that, there was some, what appeared to be genuine green flags, like the no tattoos. So a lot of this was convincing, especially when I was young and didn't know better. Um, don't know where I was going with that, but uh, somewhere interesting. Lost we were talking about red red flags, things to look for, yeah. how things spiraled out of control yeah, at, the, at end. the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like we were about to get divorced any day, but... You know, things were not as good at the end. I think the mask was slipping. She was getting tired of the act for whatever reason. It had served whatever purposes she wanted. Like, for example, um, one of the speakers, the guy who married us, actually, I had a speaker uh, be the officiator, basically, in Vegas. He said uh, later on that he thought a lot of the marriage to me, or the wedding specifically, too, was to, like, get back at her mom. Like, her mom was there, obviously. And there was some animosity that we didn't know a lot about between her and the mom. So marrying me was kind of like, haha, I can do it, and like, fuck you kind of thing, like a, like a revenge kind of thing. And I was just a pawn for that. Oh, you mentioned the love thing. Yeah, so they act in ways that make it impossible to date them long term. And in my case, I, like I mentioned, I had zero tolerance explicitly for uh, violence, any kind of DV, and any kind of cheating. Zero. What I didn't understand, for example, in telling her that, it's good to have clear boundaries like that. It's good to put your foot down and make that clear off the bat. In her case, that was this information. That was like intel. Like, oh, now I know what I have to hide. Don't ever let him know because there'll be no forgiveness. And there wasn't. The minute I found out she was cheating, I took the ring off in like 10, 15 minutes. And within an hour, I had announced to my, you know, my family and friends that we're done. That's it. Leaving uh, as soon as I can. And I did leave in real life probably four or five days later. I had to pack up all my shit, you know, move to Orlando. Where were you yeah. living at the time? Uh, Lehigh Acres, Fort Myers almost, technically. Fort Misery, yeah. Fort Misery, yeah. See, that's another mistake That's where right I'm there. from, yeah. <laughs> that's my hometown. A <laughs> friend of mine is from Fort Myers I went to high school with, and he used to always yeah. call it Fort Misery. But that was yeah. that was 30 years ago. It's obviously changed a lot since then. It's probably not any better. I'm actually from Cape Coral, Cape Coma, uh, home of the nearly dead, <laughs> newly wed. But I went to high school in Fort Myers, so I know the area pretty well. And we were living in Lehigh Acres, uh, which is, it was right on the border of Fort Myers, like right nearby. Yeah. But I wanted to get away from her. I knew, I was like, this is, first of all, I'm holding true to my values, what I, what I fucking said, which is zero DV. She never hit me, so that's fine. And vice versa, obviously. And zero cheating. I never cheated on her. So how did you me. find out that all this, did you see her phone? Like, what was, mm -hmm. what was the magic, what was Pandora's box? It was a, well, basically, I had like <clears> the sneaking <throat> suspicion without, without really too much to go on. I just kind of had like a gut feeling. I was like, something, you know, for a few months it had been not right, but something didn't feel right 
like in that this was like in January 2016 I was like I wonder if she's fucking cheating and just lying about it right so you know being living together she had a desktop computer that she would do her work off of and I went and looked around just kind of snooping you know which is rude or whatever but given that we were together it felt appropriate given the gut feeling that I had so I did and I found nothing and I was like, fuck, like, am I just being a fucking asshole? Like, why don't I, this is my wife, like, why don't I trust her? Like, this is being stupid. So I let it go for about two weeks, and I was like, all right, I'm just being, I'm just being ridiculous, I'm being paranoid, you know. Kind of a lot of the shit they would tell men today, right, to feel this stuff, like, from a feminist perspective, like, toxic masculinity. Well, you gotta be so controlling, right? But I trust, I was like, even two weeks Always later. Always trust your gut. Yeah. So two, about two weeks later, I'm like, man, something ain't right, like, something feels off. And, like, my gut kept saying, like, there's something on this fucking computer that's going to fucking tell me something I don't want to hear and I don't want to see. So I looked again. And this time I found I'd run into a different folder I didn't see before. And it wasn't, like, pornographic or anything, but I had found pictures of her with this guy. And it was obvious to me right off the bat that they were, like, fucking or whatever. Uh, they had been kissing him one, just kind of, like, intimate, you know, pictures like that. And these look pretty recent. These look like they were from a few months ago or something. So, you know, that same, I found this stuff and I was fucking furious. I'm like, oh, she's fucking cheating. We're fucking done. Holy fuck. So I was a little clusterfuck. So I called my best friend over, my best man at the wedding, and he came over. And she was out uh, at a movie with a friend that night. I think legitimately some chick uh, that I used to, yeah, I think I actually met her a couple times. So she came back home, and as she walks in, I have the pictures pulled up on her desktop, and I'm just sitting there in this chair, and I'm like, so how many times you fuck this guy? Just like, my friend is over here like, oh my god. <laughs> I gotta go, man. Hey, hey, well, I got a I, meeting I forgot I, about. Oh, she, she was deer in the headlights. Like, like she it just f absolutely froze. Whole body, absolute deer in the headlights froze. But I invited my friend over too, because I was, again, at this point, I knew everything was done. I knew she was cheating. I was worried about... As a witness, basically. A witness, yeah. False TV, you know, false rape, all that stuff. So I'm glad I brought him over. And then from there, she actually denied everything. It was so obvious, too. We were both like, you're just full of shit. Like, you obviously are fucking this guy. I knew, enough, I knew enough about pickup and, you know, body language. I was like, you're definitely, this is so obvious to me. You're fucking this guy. Like, you know, don't even deny it. And about a day later, a day and a half later, she finally owned up to it. And then she kept trying to keep me in the relationship, keep me roped in. I was like, we're done. Like, this, was, this is not a discussion. I told you fucking no on any of this shit, and you cheated. We're done. So eventually, I think in desperation or whatever other motivations, she started kind of spilling even more truth, trickle truth, we call it, in the red pill part of the manosphere, trickle truth, right? And eventually that led to she had been cheating the whole time, on and off, with all kinds of guys. And then she let slip the prostitution thing, kind of like off the hand. I'm like, what? Say, come again? What was that part? And uh, I was about to leave like a day, I left like a day later anyway. But that little slip is what led me to actually dig through. I mentioned the speech. I ended up digging through her phone records because we had like a shared account, email records, stuff like that. And that's when I found all the, the prostitution. So this all happened like super fast too. This happened like 10 days from wow. we're together, no cheating, but I was a little bit suspicious to one guy, to a bunch of guys, to escort style prostitution. Yeah, and then she spent about three months trying to get me back. Uh, now she didn't know that I knew about the escorting. I let I kept that hidden. I kept that card in my in my until I put the speech out. Nobody knew that shit except like you know some of my close friends. But for a few months until until like May I think of 2016, uh, she would just keep sending me nudes and all kinds of stuff and trying to you know elaborate messages trying to get me back in everything imaginable to fucking claw me back in find the chink in the armor and fucking claw me back in. 
And fortunately, I had moved to Orlando, so I put distance between us. And two, she didn't know where I lived, even though she was trying to find it. And three, I had good friends, like the speakers, telling me, like, do not fucking go back to this chick. Like, if you're firm in what you believe, which they knew I was, you're cheating, like, there's no, there's no future. And I was like, that's right. So as tempting as it was to go fuck her, just to, you know, all that kind of relationship trauma and stuff, which a lot of people do, they get roped in like that, I stayed away from it. And then uh, she eventually, I think, gave up. And then she got engaged two weeks later. To and that she, guy? Uh, to that guy, yeah. <laughs> and and then, married him for real? I think so. They, well, they got married in November. Uh, I don't know if it was legal he's probably or not. all happy with himself. I, you know, I got oh, my yeah. dream girl. Oh, yeah. She was with Cluster, a, a loser, and I totally Cluster saved fuck. her and rescued her yep. from her yep. horrible life. And now, the the funny part is, I put the speech out like a couple days before the wedding, just because I'm a dick. <laughs> so I put that out, and then she found out, and she was you know screaming and stuff about it, like take it down. I'm like, nope, like don't give a fuck. Uh, at this point, I have no idea what she's up to. She changed her last name again, obviously, and her first name. So, like, I have no idea what she's up to. People oh, she changed her first name. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you tell the the identity crisis, the identity issues. Yeah, you're changing your first name. That's, that's pretty whack. She tried that when she was with me, when she changed her last name. She wanted to change her first name. And I found that, you know, bizarre. I'm like, no. Like, you're not fucking doing that, or I'm like, we're done. Like, this is zero fucking discussion. It's weird. Unless you have a really, really, really good reason, like your parents named you, like, fart or something. Short of that, uh, I think that's pretty weird. The last name is what makes sense, obviously. But yeah, the first name, that's a, that's a big no-no. That was a red flag, too, I missed. I just took that as, that was a, you know, a few months into the marriage, she changed her name. And the fact that she even wanted that, I, I thought that was weird, and you know, I put my foot down on it, but I didn't, I didn't understand the want for that is a red flag in itself. Like, why would you even want that? All of a sudden, at you know, 30-something years old, you want to change your first name? That's not your last name. Oh, she wanted to change her first name? Yeah. When you guys got married? Yeah. And so after we split up, she went and did that on her own, obviously. Oh, wow. Got to cover her tracks for the next the next yeah. victim as he comes along. It might be for the speech. I mean, obviously the speech, it has her name in it, which was at the time was Marilee Johnson. At this time, I don't know what her name is. That's how, that's how crazy my ex-wife is. I don't even know what her fucking name is. Like, I literally, if you put a gun in my head and asked me what her name was and said, tell me, I don't fucking know. She literally deleted herself from your life yeah. on the internet. Well, from the internet, yeah, to hide from the speech. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's going to make it hard for her to... Uh, I had a guy that, uh, that I did a phone session with, oh, how many years ago it was, but he'd been with his wife, I think, like 30 years, and I think they had three or four, maybe it was five or six kids. He had a lot of kids. I remember that. And he was just sitting at home one time, and his best friend was over, and his, I think it was his daughter or his son was kind of sitting in his best friend's lap, and he was sitting there going, wow, my my kid sure looks a lot like my best friend. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he's like, but, you know. That happens, man. At the end of the day, this guy, and he was a nice guy, pretty successful. Yeah. He, he, like I said, he'd been with this chick like 30 years, yeah. and she was just a nymphomaniac, fucking yep. anyone and everyone. She'd fucked his business partner, she fucked oh his neighbors, she fucked all of his friends, she <laughs> fucked his best friend, who was his best man at his wedding. Yeah. And out of uh, his five or six kids, whatever it was, there were two or three of them that weren't even his. Wow. And it didn't dawn on him until he recognized that, man, my kid doesn't look anything like me, but sure looks a lot like my best friend. Oh. And then, you know, that's, you know, he confronted her about it and, yeah. and uh, she, of course, denied it, but mm. 
when he went to his other friends and people that knew, they were, yeah. it was like the the yeah. worst kept secret in the whole neighborhood. Everybody knew oh that she was like fucking God. half the neighborhood and fucking all his friends, his business partners, <laughs> and he was the last guy to find out. I think Mike's wife tried to do that. Uh, I don't <laughs> think she succeeded as far as we know. Speakers and friends and things like that. Um, I think, though, that she was looking for the opportunity to do that for sure. Just for the thrill of it and the kicks. A little and all payback. That payback, yeah. Yeah. I mean, after. I, how d- how dare you mess up her evil plans? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if that for a fact, but as far as I know, that didn't happen. But it's certainly, I think, I believe firmly that was on her mind. And she was always looking, like a chess player, looking for openings and opportunities to get shit like, to do shit like that. Looking back on it now with the lens that I have for the relationship, like a red pill lens, so to speak. That was another interesting thing, too, is when I figured out, when it snapped for me who she was in early 2016, February or March, it was actually March by that point, um, it really gave me a lens to look back on the whole four-and-a-half-year relationship, like an autopsy almost, like a relationship autopsy. And the whole relationship made a lot more sense to me then. I mean, it's been an evolution since then, a process for understanding it and growing from it. But really, it was it was seeing through all the layers of her masks and the fake personas and all that crap, and it's like, whoa. I now have the ability to see four and a half years of reality rather than the fake illusion that she had presented. And it was very educational, a very extreme form of female behavior that I got to be up close and personal with. That, that's pretty extreme. Yeah. Cool. So as you were saying? Yeah. Uh, so I guess one of the last things I'll say is that I'm really happy that it happened. Kind of like you mentioned, it happened no, no other way it could have happened. Uh, in particular, too, in the you know some of the advice I follow from Nathaniel Brandon, if you know him. Mm. Um, he was a former lover of Ayn Rand. Uh, oh, no shit. A therapist, too, a psychotherapist, yeah. Uh, the original version of Atlas Shrugged was dedicated to him. She, you know, once they split up, you know, she fucking changed that. But the early copies will show that. Anyway, one of the things he says is that, you know, everything that happened in your life you know, has led to who you are today. You need to own it, you know, for better and for worse. So that experience has, in part, like you mentioned, led to who I am today. It's, it was educational. It was, uh, you know, a very provocative story I get to put out to the world. I even had Lionsgate reach out to me at one point about doing a TV show for it. Uh, they make the movies, like John mm-hmm. Wick and stuff. So it was a hell of an experience. So I learned a lot from it, and um, it's part of my life. You can't undo it. I'm also happy that I got to make these red flag, you know, missing red flags and all these mistakes I made with her. I got to do that, uh, like I mentioned earlier a little bit, in what really was a useless relationship long-term. It had its meaning in my life then, and it has some lingering meaning now, like an after-effect education and, you know, all that. But, you know, I made these mistakes with a woman who I didn't belong with. So it's like, I I didn't get any STDs, I didn't lose any money, uh, nothing too serious like that, no kids or anything. So I made out, for how toxic the relationship was and how crazy she was, I made out really good. And I got to make these mistakes kind of like training wheels with a woman that ultimately didn't matter. And in the future, I know the next relationship I get into will be with a much better woman. Hard to do worse, but much better. And it'll be much healthier, more positive, uh, fulfilling relationship. And it won't have the kinks and the problems. Well, some of the kinks. But Hopefully. None, none of the, yeah, none of the... <laughs> the goal uh, is to learn and not make the same mistake over and over. Exactly, yeah. And I got to make mistakes with a woman that just... For any number of reasons, even even physically, being older than me, like I didn't belong with her. So it's a good thing that it happened, and it's a good thing that it happened with her, and that I made it out. I made it out really well. Uh, also, you mentioned too whether or not she loved me, and it's that's a tough question, dude. Um, just from a just from a psychology mental health perspective, I don't really know, you know, if she's capable of that with me or anyone. And then how much was genuine, how much was fake, how much was played up? It's like 
some of that you can look at with a red pill lens and kind of see through the bullshit, but some of it is so personal and subjective to her, you, you don't know. Like you can't see inside of her head. You're going to see what's on the outside, the behaviors, the mannerisms, all these things. So even in a best-case scenario, it's like I don't, I really don't know. Yeah, there's say. a part in my, uh, my book, um, I call it the attraction level table, mm. and it goes through things that the higher woman's attraction, things that she does, mm. and you, know, you can kind of gauge based on her actions, the things she's doing, the things she's saying, how she mm. feels about you, because in a long-term relationship, it's going to go up and down, and sure. so it's, you know, it's really helpful for a lot of, it's the chapter, it's called It's All in the Numbers, in mm. the 3% Man book. Mm. And uh, so it's really helpful for, you know, a lot of my people in my audience, a lot of clients, yeah. if they're able to, to gauge. Because if she ain't feeling it, she's just simply not going to do those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, in the manuscript we say that desire cannot be negotiated. It has to be very raw, very natural. Yeah. And otherwise, and if you don't have that, you don't have a relationship. She's just your roommate or something. Yep. So. Yeah. So what was the, the, the title of the whole thing for people to be able yeah. to go find it and watch the whole the title, the full title of the speech, it's still on YouTube, miraculously, it hasn't been banned yet or censored. Although it is censored in Australia, you can't watch it from Australia. For some reason, Australia banned it. The full title of the speech is Marrying Medusa, How to Survive a Female Psychopath. Also, one of our speakers uh, put together a course that we filmed for him recently, and uh, it's not from me, he's a speaker, he gave the course. That course is actually called Female Psychopaths from Surviving to Thriving. And it's for guys who went through, like me, a toxic relationship like that and how to heal from that specifically and move on and do better in life. So they can go to femalepsychopath.com. Tell them about that. Femalepsychopath.com. Uh, I'm the proud owner of femalepsychopath.com, yeah. <laughs> They'll see that in the speech. I actually watermarked it with that. Because at the time, I had been intending to do a blog uh, on female psychopathy, uh, the, you know, personality disorders, and I actually put together an aggregate blog of speakers that would contribute to that. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not going to do that. We're doing the product instead. My friend's doing it. But it's the same, it's the same um, intent to help men who have been through like super toxic relationships mm -hmm. like that. Not just a bad breakup with some girl you met at a bar, like a really noxious, fucked up relationship. People get hurt. There's criminal stuff going on, prostitution, sugar babying, shit like that, or violence and you know beyond. So a lot of men go through it. I mean, there's a good chunk of men and women who have real personality disorders that are super toxic and dangerous. And they're predators. Like I mentioned in the value thing, they're like a negative. You know, they exist beneath the surface. And you've got to watch out. And uh, as a man today, too, you know, it's not... Haste uh, makes waste, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, take things slow. Watch Fire. being attached to your outcome. Yeah. Because you know, we, we tend to project our fantasy oh, yeah. onto the person and what we want. Yep. And then we look for reasons to justify why they yep. fit it. And then when these little things come up, it's just like, oh, but the connection's so great, you know, yep. with the sex is amazing, yep. we jive so well, I'm yep. going to go ahead and move in. We, I know we've only been dating a month, but it's yep. meant to be, the universe has prearranged yep. it, and it's just, it's amazing, and it's going to be amazing, and we're amazing, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and and everything's amazing until it blows up in your face. Yeah. Yeah. So you got got to take your time. It, you know, it's, I've done yeah. so many videos over the years where... That's the biggest part of the problem with a lot of guys is they're too fucking impatient. They want yep. the relationship now, they want the marriage now, they want the kids now, they want the business success now, yeah. they want the CEO job now. It's like you have to go through yeah. a set of steps. You can't put the cart before the horse because if you do, yeah. you end up having a um, Marion Medusa. That's right. You know, one of our speakers, uh, Nick Sparks, used to say that fires that burn fast tend to burn out. Uh, fires that burn slow, they tend to last, you know, quite a bit longer. See, I agree with you 100%, like, slow the fuck down. 
uh, especially for a relationship, but really anything in life. I agree. It takes time. I've been running my business now, for example, for uh, almost 14 years, 13 and a half years. And, you know, most businesses fail by 10 years, like 95% of them or something four, like that. Four to five years is what most of them have failed by. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it takes time. And uh, it takes other things too, courage, dedication, persistence. But really, if you just have patience with these things, I think it works out a lot better. Like, I've been single now for four years, and that's so long the girls get, like, really curious about that when they find that out. They're like, why are you single for so long? Because I mean, for whatever, you know, reasons they have for getting curious about it, but I think being single for so long is actually setting me up for a really good relationship because I've been navigating the marketplace in the meantime, watching how the world's been changing with Me Too and all this crap uh, and feminism in America, but also learning about myself, healing from my own, you know, experiences and trauma and stuff is growing as a man and figuring out, like, what do I want? Like, I do want a family and kids and these things, but it's like, okay, at what point, uh, in what way, and with what kind of woman do I want to be the mother of my children? That's a really serious endeavor to take on. And it's I almost a 20, 20 year plus commitment. That's right. And I almost fucked that up last time, marrying a prostitute in Vegas. So I'd prefer not to fuck that up again. And I do know, that, for example, that the chances of uh, divorce for like a second marriage and third are pretty bad. They're even worse than the first. So knowing, you know, some of the basic stats on that, knowing the challenges that, you know, as a young man you have to overcome today, uh, there's, a lot on, there's a lot on the table to learn about. And at 31, I'm not in a rush. Uh, as, as eager as I am to start a family, I know that it's more important to be patient and slow the fuck down, take my time, be single as long as I want, and in the meantime, have fun. There's plenty of women out there waiting for me. And men you like don't me. have fun and hook up, as I always say. The yeah. three H's. Yep. It's the magic formula. Yeah, and people come after me for you know hooking up with girls still, even though we promote you know more traditional things for men and women and stuff sometimes. And I'm like, I didn't cause these girls, I didn't make these girls hook up with me. They did this on their own. And especially if they already bang like you know 20, 30 guys, like I didn't, I had nothing to do with you banging these guys. That was 100% your choice as a woman. Now you want me to be 31, like, all right, I'm You're down. an equal opportunity seducer. I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> seducer, that's right, that's right. I don't take responsibility for other people's actions. Uh, you know, I'm responsible for my choices and my behavior. I was, you know, uh, significantly responsible for my experience with Medusa. I walked into that uh, not knowing any better and whatnot, but I'm... It's my job as a young man to know better. And, you know, I failed to do that in some ways, and that had consequences. But it's the same thing for young women, you know? I'm not responsible for the actions my ex-wife took that I was not even aware of. This is a person who was dedicated to that kind of behavior, was not going to change it for anyone, including me, and including anyone else, as far as I know. And young women today, too, out hooking up, like, I want you to change. I think you should do better than that. I think women, for example, should have as much sex as possible over a lifetime with as few men as possible. That seems to be a recipe, loosely speaking, for happiness for them. But you don't want to listen, you want to bang a bunch of dudes on Tinder, like, go ahead. Uh, you're going to find out the hard way that that's yeah, The older you get, idea. the more you appreciate quality relationships and quality people. When that's you're right. younger, you, right. know, you know, especially like when I was in my 20s, I had a lot yeah. more people I thought were my friends, but they were really just acquaintances. Yeah. And it's yeah. as you go through some ups and downs in life, you <laughs> you realize who's who's really on your team and who's just there for the free yeah. shit or right. the significance or the clients or the money or whatever that, mm -hmm. whatever it is that they're, they're getting from you. That was the thing too when I you know had the divorce so to speak and went to Orlando. It's like who's going to step up and support me when I was hurting like the worst and who just you know was kind of come back out of it and uh, move away from it. So it was a litmus test for people in my life and you know much to my, my pleasure most people in my life stood up very strongly for me. Uh, whatever I needed to help me out even Socrates, one of our speakers, he gave me a place to live at his house for like two weeks before I found a place to live. So it took me in immediately, insisted mm -hmm. on it even. 
and he had a, he had a newborn baby at the time too. Elizabeth Grace, his little daughter. So he, I was living in this house. It's a big house, but you know, he had a four week old baby, and I had just moved in after divorcing a hooker. And I'd known these people. I'd known you know, was, you know, the wife and the you know, obviously the guy and stuff. So yeah, people stepped up for me, and it was it was good to see that. And that was a result of building strong, positive relationships in my life. Uh, people would not just freak out and abandon me or the conference. People thought the conference would fall apart, the convention, because the founder had messed up and married this crazy BPD hooker. And that was not the case. The speech was done super well. It's one of the highest viewed videos in the whole channel. The highest one is, you know, we have a couple, we have videos over a million, but mine's done really well at 400,000. And the conference has moved on. We've had, you know, I don't even know, half a dozen conferences since then or something like that, conventions. We've had 18 total now. We've had bigger and better speakers, uh, you know, since then, Stefan Molyneux, FBI agents, Navy SEALs, like all kinds of stuff. And what, what is the website? How do the people get in touch with that? Yeah, they go to the21convention.org, the21convention.org, or on YouTube, they go to youtube.com slash t1 or search for 21 Studios. Cool. And they'll find all that stuff. Yeah. And again, if you haven't read my book yet, you can read them both for free. Go to understandingrelationships.com. All you can do is subscribe to the email newsletter, press the submit button, and you'll be reading it right on whatever device. And if you'd like to book a coaching session with yours truly, to especially if you're in a situation similar to what uh, <laughs> President Johnson was in, you're going, something's a little squirrely here. Yeah. That's a big part of what I do with phone sessions with people because I'm an unattached, unemotional person that can see things for what they really are. And I've, you know, at this point, I think I've talked to tens of thousands of dudes over the years, wow. done phone sessions with. So I've, yeah. most things I've heard many, many, many times. So just go to understandingrelationships.com, click the products tab at the top of your screen. And until next time, we will talk to you soon.